2: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, the Renault dealer of the year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit us today, Blackstone Motors. Drive with peace of mind. 041 983 110.
3: You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up on today's show later on, we'll be uh, talking to Martin Connolly ahead of Dundalk's big night. They'll be presented with the League Trophy. They're home to Sligo Rovers. Our October foodcast, we have it today with Tara Walker from East Coast Cookery School. And it's a really interesting one because I paid a visit to Ballamakenny Farm uh, before we went to the Cookery School and Maria Flynn there, and we took Maria's produce And Tara worked her magic. Foodcast 2.30 today. Rick Cronjay's in the house. Always love it when Rick comes calling. And you know this year, each month of the year, he's picking a famous grape. He's talking about it. And then we taste some of the wines that are made from that grape. And it's the Grenache grape we're talking about this afternoon. Column Corrigan's in Eddie's Hardware. Yes, the Loud County final. Newtown Blues, the die-ends of uh, the trophy. They've won it so many times. In the final again, champions of uh, last year. Looking to defend their title, up against first timers Nave Martin the Jocks this time round, and we'll be joining Column in Eddy shortly. But first today, born in Kells, he grew up in boy, almost became a Christian brother, principal of the Gale School in Ashburn, Fina Faller, Press Secretary of the Department of Finance and Senior Advisor to Bertie Aherna, but some of the places, people and involvements Paddy Duffy came into contact with during his lifetime, which sadly ended at the age of 75 suddenly earlier this week. I enjoyed a most engaging conversation with Paddy back in June 2014. And in tribute to him today, here's an extract from that uh, lovely, lovely conversation we had. And here Paddy's telling me how when, where and why he met Bertie Ahern for the very first time.
4: Okay, 1975, teaching in Finglas. It was the coalition government of Liam Cosgrave. It was dreadful. Uh, You had the famous Frank Hall's Pictorial Weekly. Gave them a right good rattle every week and we all loved it. I said, things are so bad, I really personally have to do something. There's no point in giving out. So I said... OK, I'll join the opposite. I'll join Fianna Fall. At the very first meeting I went to in Finglas, this guy shoved in beside me on the forum and said, how are you? I'm Bertie. And I little realised, but in a way, that was the beginning of a 30-year partnership, which started right then, because we clicked instantly. And I didn't realise that from... That moment on, my own life, and his, was going to change dramatically over the next couple of years.
3: That seventy-seven election, when Fianna Fail just you know routed the opposition, it was the biggest majority I think in the history of the state. He was elected first time out.
4: He was, and you know, in retrospect, it turned out to be the worst election ever, really, for the people of Ireland, because. To be honest about it, you would have to say that you know, Fianna Fáil bought the election, rates were abolished, car tax was abolished, you know, and people believed for a silly moment that you could have the best things in life without paying for them.
3: We thought we lived <laughs> in the favelas. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yes. We're, no, we're entitled to it, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're Irish, we're entitled to free stuff. Yeah. You know, we're going to we we found out much later than the fact, you know, mm. you pay and pay dearly for what you have. But uh, that was the Martin who constructed <clears throat> and he was a great intellectual from no less than Trinity. Mm. You know, and he concocted this great giveaway budget. Anyway, Bertie was was launched on that titanic wave of Fianna Fáil support that brought Jack Lynch back with one of the biggest majorities ever. Uh, and one would have thought... Have secured Jack Lynch's future, but you know the great one of the lessons in politics is the moment that things look assured. Okay, that is the moment the rot begins. So true. <laughs> and if Jack only realised already there were people nibbling away at him, and people within the party, and within a few years he was going to uh, depart. And hand over to a new leader for Fianna Fáil. But anyway, Bertie was washed in on that tidal wave of 77, became one of the youngest TDs ever in the history of the Doyle. And those of us who were around Bertie in a sort of a man group, four or five of us, we were amazed suddenly one of our group had become a TD. None of us had ever stood for election. Most of us had no connection, whatever, with any political family. Uh, Bertie's father had been in the old IRA and, in fact, had been interned by de Valera in the Curra. And I believe his mum, Julia, was also in the IRA. They were from uh, West Cork, great Republican people. So, suddenly, uh, we, we had a TD and a couple of months went by and we met in Bertie's house and I remember um, I was the note taker and the writer upper of things being a schoolmaster and we discussed okay now, okay how can how can we get Bertie to be a minister oh no 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 we started with junior minister okay and then um, and maybe a teacher let's sketch out something and in, in in the course of an afternoon we mapped out a plan which i typed up And gave three or four copies to the lads. How to become Taoiseach in 20 years.
3: And what year was that? 77, just after he was elected. exactly. And he became Taoiseach, I have the date there. In 1997. Yes. 20 years. And
4: that was totally accidentally, through happenstance, as the fellow said, through many dangers, toils and snares. How important was that plan? Well, it was important in that it gave us a resolution and a commitment to work together eh, as a group of lads, later unjustly called the Drumcondra Mafia, eh, to work together with Bertie because he was a political engine. We could feel it already that he had something special, and each of us around him in our own way, we added our own little bit. My bit was maybe thinking, writing, producing policies, doing all the media, writing speeches, campaign strategy, that sort of stuff. That was my contribution. And the other lads all had the different elements of the game as well.
3: Did he look at you twice or was he mad ambitious, even at that young age, just putting his foot across the steps of the doll for the first time, did he want this? Is this what he wanted?
4: Yeah, he, he has many, many amazing gifts. One of his great gifts, he has two great gifts from that time. One was a people reader. He could read anybody in the organisation and know how that person was going to vote, particularly when it came to uh, conventions for elections. And he was a total whiz at figures. He could manipulate and, and understand uh, election figures and later economic figures like nobody I've ever met. And I've had the pleasure of meeting most of the top business people in Ireland and financial people across the world. But Bertie, to my mind, eh, would have the an equal competence with some of the best people ever in terms of economic understanding and financial management.
3: He was... A politician, true and true. He, he was He Still is because you, I, I know you're still in contact with yeah. him. On that, yeah. it was his life. You, you, you were, we were talking, and, and, and you said to me that in your life you have a number of interests. I have. I have yeah. myself. I have to say as well. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. But this man was nothing but politics.
4: Yeah, and that that would mark him out from the rest of us. You know, I have my own life, and I always kept my own private life mm. private. So I never socialised much with the lads after work, and the days were long, I'd go home and socialise with my own friends. We have a group in Swords called The Family, okay, and we drink in the 44 in Main Street Swords every Monday and Thursday, and we're six or eight couples, and we've been going out for the last 30 years, and we've seen each other's families grow up to adulthood, do their leaving, a uh, enter into relationships, a uh, get their first jobs, get married and have their own children. And it's a great bonding thing. And then in my own life as well, music has always been of a huge importance to me. So, for example, for a good number of years, I helped out with the Navan Choral Festival, probably the best choral festival in Ireland. And Sean Lynch and Ernest McBride are two of the great heroes of County Meath that really Meath people should support more.
3: But you're making the point that with your families, your social life, your music and that, you had that. This man, Bertie Ahern, his focus was entirely.
4: Bertie was single minded and it was politics.
3: He. Was there such a long time from that start in 77 till he just opted out in very recent times, to be honest with you, and he filled several, several should I say, ministerial portfolios before hitting the top as Taoiseach. And then, what, 11 years he was the boss and, and at the top of the pile in the country as well. That's what, right, yeah. What were his strong points?
4: Well, I think his strong points, as I said earlier, if I was reading people. A very good example is what happened when Sean Doherty spilt the beans on high and there was a vacancy for the leadership of Fianna Fáil. Okay, there were a number of candidates, reduced down to two, a, like the, the, the Rover, and a, the two were Bertie and Albert Reynolds. Now, one thing we created, Gerry, with Bertie and around Bertie, was an absolutely fearsome political machine, in its heyday. And We could organise and lobby and and persuade and work on whatever project better than anybody for a number of years. Okay, And we lobbied uh, the various Fianna Fáil TDs until we thought we had sufficient support for Bertie to have a good run at becoming leader. But I can share something with you today that maybe people wouldn't have known. Bertie had no intention whatever Of becoming leader of Fianna Fáil at that stage, he wanted to become minister for finance, because unless you are minister for finance, you do not know how government works. So, we got the numbers together, and Bertie went to Albert and said, "Albert, I have this number of TDs supporting me, but you know what? I would much you deserve it more than me, and I would like to support you." on condition that you make me Minister for Finance. And Albert agreed. Albert became the leader of Fianna Fáil and uh, the Taoiseach, and Bertie became Minister for Finance. Because finance in Ireland, Jerry, controls every single department, every state body, the budget of everything in the whole country is determined by the mandarins in the Department of Finance. If you can run that ship and understand that ship now you understand government and now you're fit maybe to become Taoiseach.
3: Yes, the late Paddy Duffy speaking to me on the 18th of June 2014. Oh, I remember the interview so well and it is an extensive interview and let me tell you, we're going to podcast the interview in its entirety after the show today so you'll be able to listen back to it and I couldn't recommend it highly enough to you. What a great man he was and he was taken Suddenly, from us and from his family as well earlier this week, Paddy Duffy, we remember him today and we want to extend our sympathy to his wife Maggie and his children Gavin, Cara, and Katrina. Rest in peace.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
3: Now Sunday is a massive day in Loud GAA because it's the final of the Senior Football Championship, defending champions Newtown Blues, taking on first-time finalist Nave Martin from Monaster Boyce. It's an intriguing clash and members of both clubs have been gathering this morning and into the afternoon at Eddie's Hardware and Scarlet Street in Drogheda. Colm Corrigan, our sports editor, is there. He he was on earlier with Paul in the mid-morning show. And we are going back there now for the final time today on Late Lunch. Colm.
5: Yes Gerry, welcome back uh, here to Eddie's Hardware and uh, our final two guests we have representing Nave Martin it's a long-serving committee member, uh, Tony Lynn and we also have Jackie Hannity uh, Jackie, former postman around Drogheda, well-known uh, around the town and uh, he's one of the few men actually that I'm, I have to look up to here at, in Eddie's Hardware. We start with Tony Tony, um, the Nave Martin Club this is a, a moment uh, I suppose to savour on Sunday it's the first ever build-up around Monster Boys to a senior county final show sure, great anticipation Tony Absolutely. <laughs> after 30 years' wait, we we're absolutely thrilled over the moon to be here on that occasion. Yeah, the, 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 the club itself, um, I suppose, since uh, your ground came into existence in the late 60s, when you look at it now, almost uh, unrecognisable. So much work has gone over the years to, to bring it up to standard. That's true, uh, Colum. Yeah, we, uh, got, we started in, it was opened in 69 after
6: having a chat with Paddy Dunning, and a local farmer on public and there. He, he, we, the committee met him and they decided that uh, he would give us the field for development, and there we are today. And it, it was a, it was a great occasion. Well, on the night of the opening, we had uh, the Dubliners and Philomena Begley and the Wolf Tones, and the carnival weekend for raising funds, and quite a lot of money was raised on that night, which was wonderful for the start of the club. Started, uh, we had a barn a building for the we didn't have was back from the back of the ditch of years gone by yeah. <laughs> <for> dressing rooms <laughs> but the uh, bar the building it was a timber a structure and it acted as uh, dressing rooms for the teams and also meeting place and games rooms and even the snooker table was in it at the time so you were caring for the whole community really yeah it was quite good it was very enjoyable there at, the, at those times uh, then I was decided I had an, an, another meeting then. We were getting tight for space on the, on the pitch we had uh, a che- got off Paddy mm. and uh, we decided we'd need another pitch. So it was, uh, it was we, how are we going to raise the money to get that? So the first thing we did was had another meeting and we decided we'd sell bonds right. over five years for a 100, a priceless sum of 100 euro pounds at the time. So this was to buy another bit of land? This was to buy another bit of land, which which was very very successful at the time. And after five years, you paid back naturally to the people who gave it to you. And most of them now, not most, probably 50% of
5: them Mm. didn't want it back. And that was a big, big plus for the club, you know? because you, yeah, yeah, you have two pictures now in existence yeah. and your, your, your whole whatever and there's something nearly going on in it every night of the week absolutely it, it, it's a buzz. and it's wonderful
6: the youth coming on today there's a huge amount of young people there now on a weekly basis using the facilities and seniors eh uh, drives and all sorts of card games and tennis and different different activities and I think it's a great achievement for the years but uh, we ran raffles and cars and all sorts of things oh, just so to get
5: a few thing. quid together.
6: Yeah, and mm. we, we raffled two cars and prizes t- uh, on the day was the car, the TVs, DVDs, loads of things. But what do you think the, the cost of the ticket was £100? which we had to do door-to-door over a weekly, monthly basis to collect.
5: So, so there was a lot, lot
6: of so, work involved. When you think of the day, yeah. you get a, a house for a hundred
5: pounds the draws that are going on yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: so no it, it it
5: all worked thank God and it, we achieved quite a lot Jackie Hanraith mm-hmm. Jackie just turning to you um, what five championship medals you have for Newtown Blues
7: I have column, yes that's right and uh, my own championship in the 70s as well 1970 along with the senior medal which is great yeah. you, you would have come on the scene after the huh. glory of the 60s but of course there were championships
5: uh, there was great rivalry Cooley of course were strong at that time when, and Newtown Blues
7: Cooley were massive at that time, so they were really But we had a, a contingent of young players coming through then The judges and the cars and I, I, If you start naming them But they formed the nucleus of the team then Which was great, so it was really, you know mm. Again, we were dependent on youth And again, our, all our old mentors Played the old Dublin Blues sort of football if they, if the opposition scored a point, we wanted to score too, and that's the way Dublin play, and that's the way the Blues play.
5: Yeah, the, the Blues within Loth have always been renowned as a good footballing team, good open play, and they they, they haven't they haven't veered from that really.
7: No, not really. Uh, we play fast football, so we do. I know it's changed lately, where you have the you know the defensive way of going on and everything like that. But it's great that the Blues have uh, held on to old traditions and kept going the way they wanted.
5: People talk about the Blues tradition, all the champions that you've won 21 so far Jackie but there were lean times as well most notably the
7: 1990s because you didn't even reach a final during that decade Correct and right when you think of like every team has its day really and the great 60s team a lot of them walked away with 8 and 9 championship medals in the back pocket so they were very hard to rebuild and everything like that so it took time and it, it took you know. and then you had other teams coming on like the Coolies. you had a great Thurman second team in the 80s you had Stavannan coming along and everything like that so it was hard hard at that particular time mm.
5: just back to you finally uh, Tony uh, just one thing I'd like to
6: mention there uh, there's one of our great clubmen over the years and player he's in hospital at the moment and I'd like to wish him a speedy recovery on behalf of the club uh, I think Ali uh, Ali Smith he, he's given an awful lot to the club he's a here of the club mm. at the moment and uh, he was a big asset and hope Ali will be back in the scene very shortly <clears throat>
7: And Jackie? And Colin, sorry, just two of our lads, and we couldn't go without saying it. Liam Leach and uh, Bobby McDonald. And anyone that's sick out there... Up the blues. Blue is the colour.
5: <laughs> good man, Jackie. So, a prediction, a score prediction on, on one point would do you, Jackie, I
7: presume. Well, one point would do us, but favourites are there to be beaten, and we won't take anything, anything for granted. We know that league form doesn't matter. You go out there on the day, and it depends on what way you look at And please God, we'll go out and do the job. And Tony. I
5: think, I think we'll say it that jocks for Joe. Jocks for Joe. That's a good <laughs> saying around <laughs> Manchester boys at the moment. Tony Lynn and Jackie Hanrily, two great club U Turn Blues and Nave Margin, we're all excited and looking forward hopefully a great game of football in the Gaelic grounds on uh, Sunday, let's hope it lives up to uh, expectations, there we have to leave it here at Eddie's Hardware in Scarlet Street, Draw uh, Jerry, thanks to all the guests here who have come out uh, to be interviewed here members of Newtown Blues and Nave Martin, and with that it's back to you in the studio Thank you very much, Column. Great excitement and you found well, and uh, the
3: the Hill and Monaster Boys as well ahead of Sunday. I hope it's a cracking game and made the best team win. But it's a a really uh, novel and interesting pairing. You know, the Blues, the Aristocrats up against the first timers, the new boys on the block, Monaster Boys, and uh, a good game is what we want. And weather forecast excellent for Sunday as well. So wish both sides well and made the best team win I uh, want to also uh, uh, staying with sport uh, St Feckins ladies they won the Intermediate Championship recently in Loudoun they're in the league final this Sunday against the Geraldines in Talonstown and a number of the fans have been on to us to wish them well good luck girls a big happy birthday to Rosie Chute from Tullinstown Navin who celebrates her 80th birthday this weekend ah oh, congratulations Rosie that comes in from the Walsh nieces in Navin and just to mention before we head to news at 2 o'clock don't forget you could win a car for Christmas yes Scotch Hall Shopping Centre in Drogheda in association with LMFM are giving away a car for Christmas to one lucky Scotch Hall shopper it's worth 18,000 euro and it's a beautiful Fiat 500 how do you win it? spend 50 quid in any of Scotch Hall's 50 plus shops if you spend 50 quid you get an entry form and you must enter, put it into the car draw there and then each Tuesday, from now till Christmas here in LMFM, we'll announce the weekly winner who'll win a 100 euro Scotch Hall gift card, that's very nice and your name is in the Grand Finale Car Giveaway Draw, which takes place on Friday, December 21st where one of you will drive home in a brand new car for Christmas, oh brilliant, brilliant so get down to Scotch Hall, spend your 50 get your entry in, and the very best of luck to you. News and weather at 2 and afterwards, it's our virtual you Mister Rick Cronje.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at BlackstoneMotors.ie.
3: In our latest series of features on wine, Rick Cronje has been picking a grape each month, talking about it and then tasting the derivatives, some of the wines that are made from the grapes. We've gone through quite a number this year already and it's another one for you this afternoon. And the man himself, I'm delighted to say, is back in studio with us, Rick Cronje, Really good to see you again. You too, Jerry. Thank, Thank you very you. much for joining us. Do you want to pronounce it? Because you're brilliant with the pronunciation, <laughs> so I won't mess it up. The grape we're talking about today is... Is the ganache. Uh Spain. Spain. Spain
2: comes to mind straight yes. away, yes. Yes, ganache, Um But uh, listeners will also know it as Grenache. Yes, and that's yours. the way
3: I'd probably pronounce yes. it. Yes, But the man himself, listen to his pronunciation. He's always
2: 100% spot on. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about red wine today, yes. And yes, red we are. Grapes. Yeah, exactly, Jerry. And it's the same grape, it's just a different way of spelling. The French, and in particular some of the southern hemisphere countries, preferred to use the name Grenache. Now, this is an ancient grape. It goes back a long way, doesn't it? It does, to about the 16th century in uh, Spain, uh, northern Spain to be more exact, the Aragon region there. And uh, since then, it's obviously spread to other parts uh, of the world, Chile,
3: Southern France, Mexico, South yeah. Africa, Uruguay—it spread its wings far it, it, and wide. It has, it has, Jerry. Yeah. Now, when you talk about this particular grape and that area of Spain and the other places it's grown now in the wor- world, what yeah. does it like in terms of
2: climate? What is it really at well, home? Well, it? It, it really likes the the hot uh, conditions, warm so, uh, soils, and warm temperatures. Uh, it, it thrives best in that the hot. Dry conditions, which northern Spain will be well known yeah. for. You know, the grapes themselves are they large? Are they small? Are they, are they, they dark? Sort what? of, yeah, they more uh, they darker in colour, almost purple. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of medium size, heading for large, very tight clusters. Okay, and in 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 the hot uh, dry conditions, that's not a particular problem. But if they are in wet, or if you get a wet spell, that it does make it a bit more susceptible to. To mildew, for instance, and and other diseases, because you haven't got that natural airflow over it to keep it uh, okay. you know, to keep it clean. So that's why it <laughs> yeah. needs
3: particular areas like that with that climate yes. generally. And as you said, if you get a well with climate change, Ricky, you know what I mean. you, can oh, you see never what's know what you're going to get in parts of the world, so yeah, and, yeah. And, and it wouldn't be good news for this particular grape. And um, it, it, it it comes into bloom early in the year. Yes, yes. the
2: uh, the uh, The vines will bud quite early. Um, but it also means that it, it goes through uh, the uh, growing season that much longer. And that is why it needs that um, hot, humid, uh, dry uh, climate to carry it for that okay yes. a, and a long yes. season for a it long to season, ripen and to mature. ripen yeah it's it's it, it's very slow on 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 uh, maturing on 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 the vine. yeah so obviously when you have a long maturing and that it has implications for the makeup uh, yes. of, of this wine yes jerry you're doing well yeah jerry <laughs> i like your new studio by yeah. the way jerry. <laughs> thanks a million um <laughs> i'm gonna tell I, you a little
3: story about about me sure. and me doing well i'm not gonna okay. tell you now but uh, you know why i'm doing well i do well because i really listen to you and, okay. and you've educated me so much over the months and years here and i thank you for that but i'm really getting at there the alcohol level and sugar and that. it, that's it,
2: absolutely jerry you spot on there the longer you leave it this comes back to what we spoke about before on numerous occasions the longer you leave it on the vine uh the less moisture which means you get a concentration of the natural sugar i must yep. emphasize and alcohol absolutely right. So
3: this grape is a standout when it comes to that, it really. Is. It um, is. What about tannins? And and
2: that's a big thing with, with with red always. Yes, it is. Because remember, that's what we get our colour from. Um, yeah, it's it's got a fairly thin skin. So it's not great on giving you colour and tannins. It'll be low on that and the acid. Uh, and that is very important. Uh, but it's low on that. And that is probably why uh, listeners will be more familiar with it as a blend with other varieties right. rather than what we're tasting today on its own. And it's not easy to get 100% granache. <laughs> this man, ha- and <laughs> I know easy. this, he's
3: right what he's saying, yeah. it, it is
2: not easy. And I was looking at this uh, yes. earlier today.
3: It, there's not a huge amount of granache uh, uh, produced standalone bottle like we have not today. Not at all. No, no. So no, blend a, as a mix with other reds yes, and that that's where it, so. you'll find yeah, it and pick it up. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we have absolutely. two special ones for you yes, today and we're going absolutely. to talk about that as well in a moment. Um, what are you talking about flavors? You know when you describe it sort of in a general yeah. sense, generic flavors from the this wine. Yes.
2: Well, this is it uh, going back to what we said with you know the the sugar content uh, in particular. It what you would expect then is fruit. especially dark fruit, like berries, you know. Um, um, So, yeah, and maybe a bit of smokiness on it as well, which will probably, as we taste and as we explain the two wines we have, will more than likely come from the wood. Okay, okay. Now...
3: when you talk about this wine, it is a particularly interesting characteristic because yes. oxygen, of course, we all need it to breathe and you yes. open the wines yeah. to
2: allow them breathe as well. But oxidation is a factor with this wine. How, how does so. it impact on it? Yeah, because it's, it's a rather thin wine, uh, Jerry, And because of the thin skin, you don't have that c- colouring to keep it there and, and all the other goodness that goes with it. So oxidation is a big Big problem for it. In other words, even a young wine, whereas in older wines, if you looked uh, at older wines in a glass, you'll see the browning on, on the. Even in a young wine with the uh, Garnache th- you'll see you'll that. You'll see this.
3: And that's
2: the problem. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, okay, you'll have it. Yeah. There's
3: nothing wrong with it. It's not going no, to really no, affect no, it in any no, way. No, not
2: at all. Not at all, Jerry. It is just, you know, winemakers are very particular and very specific, and they are very much um, aware of this. Can they fix it? Yes, they can. You <laughs> can do anything in this world, fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they yeah. yeah, what they do is they do what we call a very harsh pressing, whereas uh, generally in wine you'll have a gentle press to to get all the flavors and whereas here yeah, they do a very harsh uh, pressing of it. Um, and that seems to hold it and then really the the big trick comes in later when they put wood. They put it on, on French oak. Oak. Yeah. And that and counteracts it as well, yes. doesn't it, Rick? Okay. Yeah, and the maceration period is normally between 12 and 14 days. What that means is that they, they, they leave uh, the husks and everything in there for 12 to 14 days just to draw that colour and give it a bit of strength and then put it into the wood and that will strengthen it even more. <laughs>
3: Now, the thing you mentioned fruit and berries, and think of those in the context of tasting these wines, but there is a (laughs) proviso. Too much time, and this taste. Yes,
2: yeah. If you leave it on the wood too much, uh, Jerry, it will overpower it, Mm. and you'll lose all that fruitiness. So it is a delicate. uh, Process mm. And it, it really, with the uh, uh, experience and the knowledge and, of course, technology, all that combined, yeah, the winemakers have got it down to a fine art. No. When you're talking <laughs> yeah. about blending, what in particular or which others will you see it blended yeah, you, with? Yeah, you, 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 you can get it with just about anything now. But, um, you know, I've seen it with Shiraz, the Tempranillo Sinso. Um, and and what what the um, ganache will bring to it is that fruitiness, you know, and that bit of sweetness to it. So it just gives it that little bit of a boost. Okay. Because senso in particular can be quite a dry yes, red. Yes. So watch you know. the label. If you see percentage of ganache in there, yes, uh, you you
3: generally could take it that it's adding that. To the wine, absolutely. The oh, wine. when
2: you see ganache, it's only got one job, and that is to, you know, just to take the the, the sharp edge off it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely.
3: Is is there a white
2: version of this one? I did say yes. it was a red, but there yes. there is. Is there? Yeah. There is. Yeah. It's what we call a mutation, and um, yes, there is. And believe it or not, in France, it's it's very popular. But again, it will be more for blending, and rosé wines in particular. Okay. Yeah.
3: Now, yeah. Uh, if you. Uh, to
2: drink alone or to pair with food, where do you stand with yeah, this one? I, it, I'm i going to give it a small yes on its own, Terry. Okay. It, it's a very different uh, uh, flavour, you know, to, to all the other grapes we've discussed so far. Um, uh, I would say it's better with food. Like what? The what majority, would you suggest? Yeah. Well, it's, it's so versatile. Any of your red meats... Any big ones from steak, um, even down to pork. Um, the, the older one, which we have a 2014 here today, I would say that was a slow roast. You know, or lamb shank, or something oh, like. that. Oh now you're quite talking. Heavy. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The old lamb shank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. her on
4: the
3: pan, get That's her into it. the oven, and let it slow cook away That's there for as long it. as you like. Absolutely. So, so with
2: that, certainly.
3: What about uh, any cheeses or soft
2: cheese? Yeah, soft okay. cheese. It, it won't. It's as I say, it's 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 not a uh, a particular strong one, as in flavours. Mm. Although it's there, very mm. definite. But even on the nose, it's it's not going to jump up and hit you on the head, you know. Okay. <laughs> not no, today in any case. Certainly not. <laughs> Maybe after three glasses. And that won't be happening, let me say, here no. today on the show. Uh, world production, where does it stand in the league table? Yeah, it comes in at number seven. Um, it's got about uh, 160, 163,000 hectares worldwide. So it's, it's, it's at number seven. So mm. it's in our top ten. Um, but as I say more so because of its blending ability rather than its stand-alone, you know. Okay, well, listen, we want to have a short break and prepare a little sip for myself here. And we
3: want to thank O'Brien's in Drogheda, who've uh, brought the wines to us today. Big thank you there to Sean. We have a 2017 and a 2014 Garnache. To taste after the break. It's red. Garnache is the grape we're talking about today. Well, Rick Cronje is bringing us his expert knowledge about it. And now we're going to taste. And again, I'd like to mention O'Brien's and Drogheda, who provided the wines today. So, Rick, which
2: one do you want me to have uh, yeah, to wet gonna, my lips with first? We're going to start with the Campo Vio. Uh, ganache. It's a 2017. Again, it's 100% and it's from the Rioja region. Okay. And it's one of the, uh, well, it is the first time that uh, Campo has actually produced the uh, ganache uh, on purely its, on 100%. On its own. Yes. Solo, yes. not Solo. blended
3: with no. anything else. No. Okay, a little sip here till we see. I have to say to you. That's one of the lightest wines I've yes. ever tasted. You know, light. Exactly, yeah. And, and real, you know, it's a beautiful colour. Like yeah. I have to say, when you hold it up to the light there, yeah. but it's very
2: light. But there, there's plenty of berries going on in there, yes. as you said, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. You can yeah taste it's it. shy on the nose, but yeah. on, on, on the palate, it's actually yeah. quite lively. And, and this is what we were saying earlier, uh, Jerry. it is a light wine Um But it has that characteristic that you you will look for food. I think so, because it's it's dry on the palate as well. You you need something with that as well. So what's your recommendation with this one? Yeah. Uh, as I said, braised lamb shank, I think it'll go beautiful Very well because with it. it's light. Yeah. You know, it won't overpower the meat uh, uh, with it. A slow roast pork, I think it'll stand up to it. Um, a vegetable la- lasagna. I so think there you are. If you're yeah. vegetarian or vegan yeah. or whatever, uh, yeah. this will go really, really nicely I think with it that. Will. So it that's does, 2017. 2017. How yeah. much will that set and, you back? Uh, 1245. And that I think is really a good price for that particular uh, yeah, one? Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. And I think just for the benefit of 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 uh, the listeners, you know, in 2017, they won gold in San Diego. For that, oh year. well, 2016 platinum. Um, and gold at the Los Angeles uh, International, you know, okay. 2015 silver. So they're not amateurs in yes, producing yes. this. This know. wine has it, form it has, as well, and historically,
3: yes. the last few years. Yeah. So yeah. it's right up there. So we mention mm-hmm. it again. It's Campo Viego Garnache 2017 from O'Brien's, and it's 12.45. Lovely, lovely, lovely wine, wine there.
2: Really nice. Now drinking.
3: we're going back from 2017 mm. to 2014. So this yes. has been in the bottle a few years now. That's correct.
2: Will it that's store? Correct. Like, is, yeah, it, right. is it? Is it? Like, it is. This is a funny thing about ganache. It will store,
3: even though mm. it oxidizes quickly when you
2: open yeah. oh, it. Oh yeah, but no. Once it's open, when it's in, in the bottle, correct, <clears throat> Jerry. Yeah. The, the The next one is a 2014, and the, the interesting thing about this, this is from what we call old vines. Now. Um, Wollonga McLaren is uh, Vale is the uh, the maker from uh, South Australia it's 2014 and it's the Grenache now okay. it's spelled differently yes. but they they started production in tw- uh, 2005 and already then the vines they took over were 50 years old so you've got old vine and it'll definitely come through in the taste in this
3: one yes um it's you know the way you made the distinction here of me before recently between the northern and southern hemisphere yes. when we were talking in the context yes. of another grape yes. and wine
2: yes. does that apply to this one is it, it does it does uh, jerry it's uh this one for instance has got 14 and a half percent right alcohol in it and uh, in the tasting the the fruit and that will come through whereas the uh, Campo is 14% Okay. ok now now that might only sound half a percent but in wine it's big it's a big one so let me have a little sip of this yes
3: now that's an entirely different creature, yes, even though absolutely. it's the same grape, yes, yes. <laughs> isn't it? It is. Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I really li- because, mm. you know, Rick Rick said to me, he didn't say much about this wine. He just says,
2: I'll let you taste it, Jerry. I won't say much more. Yes. That is really nice. Yeah, no, that's, to me, it's, yes, I know it's Southern Hemisphere, and I know it's three years older, and the old vine, and all the technicalities. But it's almost a different class. As oh, far as my concerned. God. Yeah, it, it is. That taste just lingers doesn't it It, it absolutely Jerry yeah the, you the sip, young You one. could sip
3: that I I know you said I, maybe not yeah. you said a
8: small <laughs>
0: Yes,
3: when yes. it came to yeah. you know t- having this yeah. by
2: itself, but yeah.
3: Rick, I wouldn't
2: dismiss that. No, I, I, as I always say to people, of course you can sip the wine, you know. Mm. Um, it's a bit like swimming the channel. <laughs> <laughs> you get halfway. Do you come back or do you finish it? <laughs> <laughs> Never come back. Yeah. You must finish all of it,
3: We know that for sure. Oh, that Absolutely. is a cracker. Yeah. I, I really say that is beautiful. Yeah. And again, if you... It's taking food with that. Are, are, yeah. are you talking... Yeah, no. About you,
2: you need stronger... Uh, certainly in the meats, yeah, uh, yeah, Jerry. Barbecue meats like steaks. Okay. I would duck or pheasant, you know. Really I think, good with that. Yeah, I think chicken might be on the light side. Yeah, so for game, this. you know what I mean? Game, game yeah, that type strong, of area. stronger flavour to match mm, that, mm. to match that. And the game mm. season coming in here yes, shortly, that yes. would be certainly one to consider. So yeah.
3: again, it's the name of the, the wine, Rick, is?
2: Yeah, it's the uh, Wollonga McLaren and it's the Grenache 2014 Okay, so that yeah. is
3: uh coming from O'Brien's wines in Drahat again. Yes. A big thank you to Sean again today.
2: Pricewick. Yeah, it's sixteen ninety five, twenty fourteen, four years on. Four euro a a year, not a bad investment. No, and I love the way you always
3: put that, and that puts it into context. It it really, really does. So there you have it. They're the two wines that Rick is recommending today, and you can always listen back to us on the podcast. Just before we go, I have a question in uh, from a listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jerry. will you ask Rick again today about opening a red wine and leaving it stand? Is it necessary always, and if so, how long for? Three days.
2: No more. (laughs) Okay. No more.
3: And would you open it? I think what they're getting at there, if you're going to,
2: say, have a dinner party this evening,
3: should you open the wine late afternoon, you know, to let it breathe? Well, I
2: I always like to open it, say, at least an hour before. Okay. And and what it does, you know, we talk about breathing, but really what it is, is just that bit of air between where the cork was and where the level of the wine is. All those fumes that have been sitting, building up, just, you know... Uh, yeah. Escapes from it, and as we've just spoken and, and mentioned before, oxygen, air, is the wine's biggest enemy, and yet it's his best friend as yeah. well. You Isn't know? that an so irony? So yeah. by by allowing that oxidisation, this is where I think people uh, sort of change the wording to breathing, but that oxidisation just allows the wine just to settle. That's yeah. basically it.
3: Decanting, does that benefit
2: all wines? If you decant it, it, it for an hour and put it back into the bottle or is it yeah. unnecessary? Um, no. Well, what decanting does, it just speeds up exactly what, what we are talking about, about there. Yeah, it that, opens it up a,
3: to a wider space. Absolutely, and
2: because you, you put it into a, a cravat or, or into yeah. a, something else that's got a bigger volume of air to escape in. So that's all. It, it just speeds it up. Yeah, so if you're impatient keep that on the side
3: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely so we've worked our way through quite a number Mm. of
2: grape varieties we have two more to do yes and they are Uh, well we've got the Aaron grape which I deliberately left because it's the harvesting season now so it should be fresh so we'll do that before before the end of the year and then the number one the
3: big one the big one Cabernet Sauvignon still to come with Rick on the show. So we'll be uh, coming to those grapes before uh, the end of the year. But those wines today available from O'Brien's Wines in Drahada And thank you again for supporting us on our wine feature with Rick here on LMFM Radio. I'll let you go. uh, Two (laughs) crackers today. Well done, Rick. And we'll see you, please, God, in the month of November. Thank you. No bother, Jeremy.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
3: It's our October
0: food cast, but we're not in
3: the kitchen for the moment anyway. But we've come close by to East Coast Cookery School and we're at Bally McKenney Farm where you've met this lady before. Maria Flynn is here with me, Tara Walker's here as well and Deirdre De Lacey is with us also. And we're standing here in the fields this late afternoon. Maria,
1: Hi, this Jerry. looks
3: magnificent.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's my happy place, one of them anyway. It's our winter veg field, Gerry. And it's the field where last year we made a very expensive mistake and we didn't put our netting on that you can see here now. And we lost all of our purple sprouting broccoli to pigeons. So once bitten, twice shy.
3: I would have loved to have tasted one of those pigeons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I also have more help now. I'm delighted to say that we've taken on Deirdre who is a little dinger. She really knows her plants. She knows horticulture and I couldn't do it without her now, so it's fantastic. So what we're looking at here, straight down the field, are our Calette plants. We grew these last year and the chefs loved them, so it was a no-brainer for this year again.
3: What is Calette?
1: They are a hybrid. I saw them in uh, Fruit Logistic in Berlin two years ago. And brought them back and decided to grow them. And they're a hybrid between a kale and a uh, Brussels sprout. So if you can imagine the size of a Brussels sprout. But all the leaves flowering out instead of tightly in. And they're like a kale effect on the leaf. So they're like a frill rather than the normal Brussels sprout. And the beauty of them is you can steam them. You can boil them. But you can roast them as well. Because of the kale element, they will roast up with a bit of olive oil in the oven and they are so tasty. I'll give you some of the leaf there and you can taste it in the leafy.
3: It's absolutely beautiful, Mm. I have to say. So initially, let me ask... deirdre this you t- you can harvest the the central crown at the top and then the side shoots come on
10: yeah that's right you have to harvest the, the top of a force and then you pick in um
3: yeah the side shoots then the after that shoots, so yeah. you have a, a treble quadruple whatever you like to name it whammy from this type of plant what else have we here
1: We have purple sprouting broccoli under the netting. Deirdre and I were getting a bit worried because any heads that were coming up were green, actually. (laughs) So we've obviously got some green. See, when you propagate these and you plant them, Mm. there's no way of telling. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, no, we can see the heads starting to come up. So the broccoli is all under cover. And hopefully in another couple of weeks we'll be starting to harvest that. What else? Over in the yard, at the field, we have what we call long-stem broccoli. And it's a, a lovely long, tender broccoli Really, really tasty. And the lovely advantage for the chefs is, instead of it being imported, no air miles. They're getting it within a day of us harvesting.
3: And Tara, for you, as somebody who loves fresh Produce from the locality. This lady just living up the road from you. God, it's a real Brucey bonus.
9: I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Um it was great to meet I first um met Maria through the purple potatoes she was growing, and she's trying lots of different things. A real trailblazer on the Car Town Road here in Terman Fecken, and, and I just love being able to sample a few of the bits and bobs that she uh, drops off to me every now and then. And some of the stuff's absolutely gorgeous, like the broccoli hearts you had during the summer were really beautiful, really, really good, yeah. And um, um obviously the kailets as well are really nice. I mean, kale chips are kind of a thing that's been trendy for the last few years. So this is a variation on it as well. And they're a bit more filling, I suppose, in the kale chips when you roast them that way.
3: And we're going to be using produce from Bally McKinney Farm today in your foodcast.
9: Yes. Yeah, so we've got our autumn special and we are going to do a few uh, one pot wonders and one pan wonders and featuring some of Maria's beautiful potatoes and, of course, some of the veg too
3: spuds you know they're my passion <laughs> tell us what and how many different varieties you're growing here on the farm this year
1: we have five varieties so we have our staple which is the violetta our flagship which we will always have red emily and pink Fir apple the pink Firs haven't grown as big as i like them to grow this year just to do with the dry but we're glad to have them so i'm not going to complain about it Two newbies to the family this year are Yukon Gold and Jemson. Jemson is a fairly well-known salad potato. And the Yukon Gold was it came about in Canada, actually, hence its name. And it's widely used in America. And I, a lot of chefs were asking me about it, so I decided to uh, take the punt and try and grow it. Because you don't know till you grow it in your soil what's going to happen. But very pleased with them. And we're actually harvesting the Yukon Gold and the Jemson on Saturday.
3: Fantastic. So all's good. her back to you for a second. The netting Maria mentioned here a moment ago and I see a little imitation eagle or crow or something they're stuck up in the middle of the field yeah. to frighten them off are pigeons the biggest problem
10: pigeons would be a big problem because they can devour a field within a matter of a day or two so you would have nothing left you know so the net protects it uh, from the pigeons you know and it's the only way they're and you have to overhead. put it on you know the pigeons are flying overhead as, as yeah. deer I actually the see them, they, them yeah
3: oh my god they're it dibbles. takes
10: one pigeon to come down then the rest mm. will come down mm. and I literally mean it would be devoured with in a couple of days yes, yes. you know but are you yes. finding
3: the netting and the decoy there work
10: um yeah the netting works tremendous because you can't get in once there's no holes in the netting or anything they won't get in anyway pigeons uh, they fly up you know they kind of don't go down so you have to watch for holes so they can get in but you know you have to make sure that Perfect. She's done a good
3: job.
1: I couldn't manage without Deirdre now, to be honest with you. Last year I was trying to do, I didn't have as much obviously, but I was trying to do it all on my own and um, it just wasn't working out. And uh, it's great to be able to say after three years that we're now in a position. Mm. Uh, to have somebody like Deirdre working with us. You know, it's a big responsibility for me. I feel the responsibility of asking somebody to come and work for us. But it's working out okay. and it had to be the right person and Deirdre's the right fit for me, so it's great.
3: 50% increase in employment levels on (laughs) Ballard Farm. It's a massive
1: statistic, you have to say. (laughs) I'm proud of
10: it. I'm sure
3: you are. Um, before we leave today, look at all you have here. I know scholars and other places you supply for the restaurants and that. Will there be any of this out on the open market that people can buy or will it still be a question of supplying places that are uh, preparing food?
1: There's a real shift, Jerry, in the retail side of things that I'm noticing. And I have to say that Evoca, they have 12 shops, uh, only four of them have fresh produce for sale and evoca actually came down to the farm to talk to us um i know they won't mind me saying that initially i had said no because i just don't think the shops are geared to the fresh produce they want it packaged i don't want to package stuff and you know it just wasn't it wasn't the right thing for me but they worked with me And they are selling my broccoli. That's all we have in season at the moment is the broccoli. In another month's time, it's going to be mad with everything else. But uh, they're selling my broccoli in its white box, loose, on their lovely shelves full of their wicker baskets and whatnot, and my white box sticks out like a sore thumb but they're doing it and they're doing it because that's the way I wanted it to be and you know so kudos to them for doing that
3: Yes so evoca are stocking and that's good news here today Tara before we leave the farm and put the wellies away my God we had the old wellies today ever ready in the car I tell you Tara's wearing the most beautiful pink hunter boots here I'm bamboozled go on what did you I want to say I knew
9: you'd mention my pink boots they were cheap and on sale because they're so bright pink Thanks a lot, (laughs) Gerry. No, just one little thing I wanted to say, um, just in terms of you were asking about retail there and and we were mentioning Avoca. I was actually doing a cookery class on Saturday and maria appeared just at lunchtime actually um, with a couple of samples for me and it was really nice because there were people from different parts of the country able to taste different potatoes see things that they wouldn't see normally in the supermarkets or anything so i was just delighted because for my customers it's a real bonus as well so i'm delighted to be able to have such a great neighbor really <laughs>
3: Fantastic. Maria Deirdre, thank you very much uh, for inviting us here today. Good luck to you over the next month. So It's really busy here on Ballamackennie Farm. And you and I just have to hop up the road now and head for the kitchen.
9: Yeah, two minutes down to the kitchen in the cookery school.
3: So here we are in the cookery school and you want to talk for a moment about stews and one-pot wonders.
9: Yeah, so we wanted to kind of cover um, some nice quick autumnal dishes, things that are comforting and uh, easy to do. But now when I say quick, I mean they're quick to prepare, not necessarily um, cooked quickly. But I kind of wanted to talk through, there's nearly like a bit of a formula with stews and it's basically you're browning off your meat first of all, let it sit and rest. It's obviously not going to be cooked through at that stage Um, and then you're going to brown off your onions, caramelise them the usual, little pinch of salt give them a good 5 or 10 minutes to get a bit of um, caramelization on them pop your meat back in and then you can have a bit of fun with your flavours, whether it's going to be a tomatoey and wine based beef stew like a bourguignon or something or whether you're going to go with maybe if you're doing a chicken one um, just go with a chicken stock and then you might stir a bit of creme fraiche through towards the end so you have a lovely white kind of casserole, you might deglaze that with white wine. What I'm going to do today is a new recipe for me and it was because Thanks to Connor in the Glide Inn in Anagassen, he's been asking me for years to do a Viking-themed cookery demonstration, and I kept saying no, so finally this year I said I better say yes. So I was doing a bit of research, the Vikings drank a lot of ale, um, and they also kept pigs for farm animals, and they didn't keep that many other animals, according to the research I did now, which I have to admit was not, like I haven't done a... PhD in it or anything like that (laughs) it's fine it's (laughs) fine it's rudimentary (laughs) Um, so I came up with this little pork and ale casserole as well which is a quicker one to do actually so this would be a good one for if you're in a hurry because I'm using a pork fillet so obviously that cooks quite quickly it's quite tender and then I'm going to do some chicken thighs as a tray bake so I'm going to flavour them with some nice orange and rosemary and I have some of Maria's lovely purple potatoes and the Yukon gold as well and I'm going to pop some of the Yukon gold into the pork casserole as well
3: Okay, so to the stove first and you have the pork fillet ready.
9: I do. So I've just sliced up the pork fillet into kind of medallions or noisettes and I'm going to add a little bit of oil onto them and brush it directly on. As always, I usually put the fat directly onto the... The protein as opposed to putting loads and loads of oil. But I actually have a brand new, what do you think of this, isn't it? Lovely, my new uh, stewing casserole pot. Um,
3: She's boasting again. <laughs> I'm so jealous. It's gorgeous.
9: <laughs> uh, bought it in one of the German discounters the other day. So, um, but I'm using New Grange Gold Camelina Oil here this evening. The main reason, as always, is it has a high burning point. So we get a good caramelization on it and we won't have smoke filling up the kitchen and also you know the other oils can become carcinogenic when they're at quite a low temperature even so let's get the pork on
3: terrific so that's just a few minutes there what two three minutes on one side
9: exactly and it won't take so long on the the other side because the pan is really good and hot now and then i'm going to remove it to rest in a little bowl while i get on with my onions and garlic and my other flavors as well so it has browned off nicely there and obviously because pork is a really nice tender the pork fillet is really nice and tender It's not going to take that long to actually turn into a stew or casserole. Now, if I was using a pork shoulder, like we did a pork shoulder on the Mexican class on Friday night and I had that in for six hours. And you could use a pork shoulder with the same flavours. It would be delicious. But this is kind of a nice way to do a quick kind of winter warmer one pan dish.
3: Lovely. So that's the pork browned and ready to go to the next days. Now, are you going to use the same pan uh, for your onions? Oh, yes?
9: God, yeah, because we want to keep all that nice caramelisation there. So I've turned the heat off on the pan now because I don't want the onions to burn. Pop them in and what am I putting in next, Jerry? Salt. Why?
3: Because the onions won't burn.
9: Absolutely. And they'll slow down the caramelisation as well. So going back to this caramelisation and look, the onions are almost deglazing the pan because they're a little mm. bit wet as well. Look, my pan's becoming nice and clean. All that lovely caramelization is coming up into the actual, uh, into the onions, which will be in the sauce as well. So it's just the heat of that pan, I see, yes, the gas is off, that's just cooking those. I've switched it off completely, and here's my pinch of Oriel sea salt. And I probably won't even need to season it again, because Oriel sea salt is really salty, which is great, because a little goes a long way. And I'll turn the heat back on now that I know it's not too hot. And after a minute or two, we're going to add our garlic in. And let that cook out for a few minutes as well. And then I'm going to pop a little bit of tomato puree on and I'm going to cook out the tomato puree as well. So I know I've given you that tip before, but it's good if you can just get the tomato puree into the pan before you put the other wet ingredients in because it is a little bit bitter and you'll see a lot of recipes call for a pinch of sugar, you know, to counteract the bitterness. Whereas this way, it's it's caramelizing naturally and you're not adding the pinch of sugar. So when you've cooked all that out, we can add the pork back in. And I have a bottle of ale here. What have we got? We've got journeyman pale ale. Let's get that in. And now I'm going to add a couple of spuds in. So I've just cut my Yukon gold potatoes into little, kind of fairly small dice. And I'm just popping them in there into my stew of pork and ale. And we're just going to pop a little sprig of thyme, rosemary, nice sage. Any of those nice woody herbs are always great in a stew. And... I'm going to let that simmer for a few minutes while I get on to our chicken tray bake.
3: So we leave that to work away there on the gas. With the lid on. So we're switching now to the second dish on Tara's Foodcast for October. And just remind us again what this is.
9: So this is a chicken and orange tray bake. So I have lovely chicken thighs here on the bone, skin still on. And I have little segments of orange here, which I'm just squeezing over and also throwing the orange in as well. And I have more Yukon gold here. I have some red pepper, some courgette, uh, a little bit of yellow pepper as well. And I've purposely cut my courgette a bit bigger than the other vegetables because they obviously, that takes less time to cook because it's very, very soft. And I'm actually going to go and grab one of the nice purple potatoes as well. Lovely. I have my purple potatoes in. Now, generous pinch of salt. And this time I'm using my Malden sea salt because it has a little bit of a crunch to it, a little bit of texture to it, which is going to be nice in there. You could also, I'm using orange today, but you could, if you wanted, use some balsamic vinegar um, or even a little bit of red wine vinegar. What we're looking for is a little bit of acidity to balance out the kind of richness of the, you know, the chicken thigh. And let me grab a little bit of olive oil this time, just a little bit, and plenty of salt And plenty of pepper as well. There isn't loads and loads of flavour going on here. It's very much a, you know, come in the door from work, throw it into the oven. Um, I always say to people as well, maybe if you're off on a Sunday, you could have this prepped and in your fridge with a bit of tin foil on it. And then when you come in from work on a Monday and you're busy and tired, just throw it into the oven. Which is exactly what I did. So we're going to get that one into the oven, but I have one I made earlier coming
3: out oh it brings me back valerie singleton on blue peter many moons ago here's one i prepared earlier oh will you look at this
9: look it gives off lovely juices as well so i let it rest for a minute the whole thing here is protein needs to be rested and usually i say rested for half the cooking time so we'll give it a good five or ten minutes here but we have cooked these for about half an hour but to go with those i'm going to pop a little bit of our beautiful broccoli from Maria on and I think the broccoli would be really nice because it's quite a rich kind of unctuous dish and the broccoli will just cut through it a little bit of acidity from the broccoli would be lovely
3: the water's on the roll in that pot there now
9: absolutely Jerry so you see what I did there I put a little pinch of salt in and it just made it come up to a rolling boil and I have my broccoli I've just cut it down so that it fits into the pot and I'm going to pop it in now so it's really important to make sure that your water is really really on a rolling boil before you put any green veg into it because that's what keeps it Really nice and vibrant green. So pop the lid on that and I'm going to only boil it for a couple of minutes. I want it to be al dente. And over here I have the leaves from the kailettes. So basically like kale leaves and I'm just going to turn them into some kale crisps. So instead of having your cheese and onion, have these. That's what I do every night anyway. Um, and doesn't she look good in it? <laughs> yes.
3: Nudge, nudge, yes, wink, wink.
9: Yes, I have to do You do, do look it. great. Oh, yeah, thanks, Jerry. So uh, I have a little bit of extra virgin olive oil this time. I hardly ever cook with olive oil, as you know, because it does burn on a low point. But for the calettes, I think the extra virgin is really nice with this. Plus, I'm not cooking it, you know, in a really hot pan. And just a little pinch of my sea salt flakes, this time the Malden, and into a good hot oven. How long will that take? five to ten minutes okay yeah. tiny
3: yeah. yeah not a long time
9: at all great and the broccoli is bubbling away and then over here i have my pork it's coming along nicely i just put a little bit of chicken stock in there i always have a little bit of chicken stock or beef stock if i'm making a stew or casserole on the side just in case it starts to dry out a little bit so that'll be ready for tasting in a couple of minutes but the chicken has now rested and it's ready for a taste
3: we're in the final furlong. The pork is ready.
9: So we have the pork here. Um, as I said, I just put a little bit of chicken stock into it there a few minutes ago because it was drying out a little bit. And the potatoes are in there as well, nice and soft. And obviously, I'm not serving the rosemary. I'm kind of discarding the rosemary as I'm plating it up. Some potatoes. And then on the side of this, I've got some broccoli. And actually, when I did this at the cookery demonstration in uh, the Glide Inn at Taste of Toher, I made a lovely rye bread, which was gorgeous to dip in. So those sauces and juice is lovely, just with a bit of bread to dip into it to mop it all up.
3: I'm a great fan of pork myself. I don't eat it often enough, to be honest So it's pork, Yukon gold, lovely, and some of that Gorgeous, gorgeous broccoli that I ate raw just a short while ago down on the farm. But here it is cooked today. Let me go with that. Another surefire winner from East Coast Cookery School. Thank God Connor got you to do this dish.
9: (laughs) Yeah, well, he didn't specify what dish, but I suppose I wanted to do something kind of stewy and robust. But also, obviously, in a cookery demonstration, I only have sort of half an hour to 45 minutes. So it's a nice way to come up with this. I suppose, you know, cooking uh, with beer, I mean, I do a beef and Guinness stew as well. Actually, in my cookbook, there's my mum's beer pot roast, which she will only use Smiths for. And it's a different thing. It's a it's a top side of beef and it's done in a whole piece. Um, but it's the kind of, the similar sort of ilk of meaty, beery, yeasty kind of flavours that are matured for, you know, until they're really, really kind of uh, tasty and there's no, there's no part of it that's acidic left.
3: Oh God, that is just gorgeous. The flavours, they complement each other magnificently. Are those crisps done, would you say, oh, in yes, there? Oh yes, indeed, sir. Let's grab one of those. those Do, you nice. Do, you Do you hear this? Do you hear how crispy they are? Bye bye Mr. Tato.
9: <laughs> Hello, kale crisps. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they're gorgeous. They're really tasty, aren't they? Now look, I obviously I was only joking earlier when I said all I ever have is kale crisps. I'm sure anyone who knows me knows that's not true. But just for something a little bit different, and at this time of year, I think they're really, really nice. And you can have a massive big bowl of those in front of the telly without feeling too guilty about it because it's full of nutrition.
3: What a day we've had on Ballymackenny Farm back here to East Coast Cookery School. From the land moments ago into the kitchen with Tara here and she's worked her wonder again. Recipes will be available?
9: On eastcoastcookeryschool.ie
3: It's been a great October foodcast. Thank you so much.
9: Great to see you as always and it was great to get down to Bolly Farm as well.
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at BlackstoneMotors.ie. You might remember Anne
3: Grant was in with me on Late Launch. What a lovely lady and what a wonderful conversation we had about her dad, William Courtney. He was honoured in World War One. He fought in the war. He flew planes and in World War Two, he was just outstanding in what he did. He was the first man into Hiroshima after the uh, atomic bomb with a camera. He took many pictures of war scenes and that and they're still... The images from those terrible times today. Well, Anne was with us on the show and towards the end of our chat, I said to Anne, she was telling me she loved to, to cook and bake. And I just said to her, do you ever do a tea brack? <laughs> you know me chancing me arm. And she says, I do. I actually make a nice tea brack. Well, I can tell you, she makes the nicest tea brack I've ever tasted. Anne Thanks a million. Anne's daughter dropped in with the tea brack to us earlier in the week. And you know, Louise, I normally push stuff round the house to people and that, that comes in. Have you seen much of that tea brack?
11: No, kept it all to yourself. <laughs> Even have your own knife. <laughs>
3: Don't be giving it all away. No, I'll tell you in truth. She sent in a huge tea rack. Oh, it's beautiful. It's moist. It's full of fruit. It just tastes gorgeous. I brought half it down, of course, and gave it. But I'm mining the other half and I'm slivering it bit by bit for myself. But sure, I'm entitled to that, aren't I? I'm I'm not time. You know what I mean, to to self-indulge. But Anne, Anne, thank you so much indeed. Beautiful, beautiful tea, Brack, and thanks indeed for sending it into us here at the radio station. I know, Louise, you're not a Brack woman. Seriously, I'd say if I offered you a piece, which I didn't, um, <laughs> you'd probably <laughs> no, you have didn't. said no. Did you? <laughs> Tell me have, you would have I said no. I would have, have no. declined. Yes, I nice know thing. that as well. I don't like you're fruit not, cake. No,
11: at all. No, I hate it. God, I Wedding mean, cake, Christmas cake, Halloween, Brack, no. Really? Yuck. God, I'm a
3: real Brack man, I have to say. I, we'd eat Bracks right through the year because, I have to say, my old friends in McCluskey's produce lovely Bracks. They do a plain fruit one, which there's not a huge amount of fruit in if you like it that. And then they do the rich fruit one as well. And they do a mega one at this time of the year with Halloween on the way as well. No. What and about the they... ring in the Brack when you were grown up?
11: Oh, I'd um, I'd... Dig in for the ring, you know, oh, yeah. bits of fruit would be left all over oh, the table. Oh yeah,
3: there was some some battle for the ring in our place as well, whoever got the ring. Or if you saw, do you know when you'd be cutting it and you might tip something or see a little thing, I'll have that slice, don't mind, you can have the other one, I'll take the middle slice, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I used to and, be.
11: But what was it, if you got the ring, you'd, you'd get married first, was it? Or? Was it? Oh, I don't know. Jeepers, you though, have me that?
3: now, you have me now.
11: Or you put it under your pillow and drink What of is the it about the ring and the
3: brack? Can anyone help us there? What's the tradition of finding the ring ring and the brack? <laughs> or you
11: put it through your nose. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Do you know, the, the people use spake bracks as well and put other things into the brack, not just a ring. Do you know that?
11: Oh, like little kind of trinkets yes. For,
3: yes. for luck and stuff, yeah. was it? Yes, you'd have to be careful. I'd say with health and safety today, you wouldn't joke somebody. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, put something in, it yeah. It uh, a tooth could go into it or something. I
11: vaguely remember something like that. Yeah. if you found like yeah. a little charm. Yeah. It'd mean luck or something. There is and, something about it?
3: putting other things into the brack. But the ring in the brack, what's it about? What does it mean? What does it significant? Uh, what's the significance of it? If you know, you might give us a little tinkle of you. Have a moment. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight is the phone number, or oh eight six. Uh, tell me the text number, Louise, and the
11: WhatsApp
3: it's number. 1800658 086- That's it. Yeah, and the other ones. 1850. There you go. So if you want to help us out on late lunch this afternoon, we'd appreciate it. So not even... I love an Oxford lunch. Would you not like an Oxford lunch? Oh,
11: no, that's disgusting. Oh. Or anything almond icing. Oh, yeah. But listen. no, I'd, I'd eat like cherries, fresh cherries on their own. Love sultanas, love raisins on their own. Not, in, not the in the cake. not in the cake. I
3: love loads of cherries in a cake. I love cherries in a Christmas brack. Put plenty mm. of them in it with mixed peel. You mentioned almond. Would you not eat a piece of a Battenberg?
11: Oh, that's my absolutely... Worst. Nightmare. Oh, come off
3: it! No, I. I love a battenberg.
11: Like, no, oh. I know you do. And Deirdre Hurley used to love it as well. <laughs> we, no,
3: yeah, battenberg is a is no now uh, the thinner you can get the the yellow on the outside the better of the of the battenberg. But I love a battenberg or oh, ham and egg buns.
11: I've never heard of a an ham and egg bun.
3: You're joking me. Uh, no. We, uh, where where were you reared? In, In Navin. Havin. Did yeah. spicers not do them? It, no. Of the bakeries over there.
11: Not that I can recall, Ham and egg me. buns.
3: Oh, you haven't lived if you haven't had a ham and egg bun. Uh, they're
11: not the eggs and you just put a bit of ham and put it No, in the no, oven. no, no,
3: no, no. It's the colours. It's the colours oh. of the sponge. White and pink. With jam in the middle and then on top a uh, pink icing. Did no. You never see them.
11: Sounds lovely though. Oh
3: ham and egg buns. I'll get you a ham and egg bun next week. Okay. I'm gonna get you one and you can deal. tell me what you take. Right. Everybody knows about the ham and egg bun. Oh you just have to. You can to still have get
11: one. them and draw it. Of course
3: you can. Is
11: it a drawder thing? Is it? I've never heard of them.
3: I'm sure many people have heard of ham and egg buns, haven't you? Are you listening to us today? Shout out for the ham and egg bun. What about that? Have you heard about that? Of course, McCluskey's do them as well. I mention them again. They certainly do them for sure. And they're a thing from my childhood... That I always remember. Oh, we're going to get the ham and egg next week and you taste it and report back here to them. Anyway, that's our <laughs> confectionery corner. That's a confectionery corner on late lunch this afternoon. But again, a big thank you to Anne Grant. Thank you so much for the tea, Brack. Anyway, final break of the week. And you do know, Dundalk, our League of Ireland champions. They'll be crowned this evening. Martin Connolly's with us next. Dundalk play Sligo in their final home game of the season tonight and it's going to be a wonderful occasion once again at Oriel Park where the Lilywhites will be presented with the League Championship Trophy. Martin Connolly, General Manager, is on the line. Hello Martin. Oh, Jerry, how are you doing? I'm very good. God, you're getting used to these nights now with the silverware coming year on year.
8: Yeah, we've been very lucky. We've had a great run Jerry, over the last few years, four title and five and, and um, you know we're going to celebrate tonight. We, the hard work's done and our supporters, to be fair, have been brilliant all year. And, you know, after a tough start and a lot of changes, and, and um, we're going to celebrate tonight.
3: The night of a championship presentation is extra special, and so many people want to be there and they want to join in. And at the end, they want to be out there with the players. And, you know, it's a natural instinct, Martin. Uh, you want to say something about this to me today?
8: Yeah yeah this Jerry we, we we've we've had a bit of practice in this in the last while and we want to we want the, the players to, to enjoy it we want the players' family to enjoy it we want the supporters to enjoy it and everybody that that's turned up here tonight we want them to be safe and you know really what we're, we're appealing is we, we have a plan in place and we'd like the support ourselves. help or to work, you know, we want we want young supporters to enjoy this business last forever, Jerry, as you know. And mm. we want we've a, we've a number of people in the, from the disabled community, we've young supporters, we've old supporters, and we want them all to see it and enjoy it. So, what we're asking people to do is, is not to invade the pitch on the final whistle. And um, we have a lot we have security in place we're going to put a security cordon onto the pitch. And uh, obviously, um, the FEI have a, a stage and a podium that we need to get erected for the trophy presentation. And then
11: when
8: we're inviting people to come onto the pitch in a safe, um, a safe manner. You know, and, yeah. and we really need people's support and help to do this.
3: Okay. So what you're saying is, by all means, come along, enjoy it, get involved, but just obey the stewarding uh, protocol that will be there tonight. Yeah. And in turn, everybody will get their opportunity to be part yeah. of this very special evening.
8: A- absolutely, Gary. We, we we want everybody to enjoy it, but we want everybody to see it. Uh, we're under time constraints as well because we want it to be broadcast on RTE and, and, and it has to be done very quickly and, and, and time effectively and we just want people to help us to do that so again what we're asking to do is on the final whistle don't come onto the pitch wait until the security cordon is erected wait until the podium is erected and then by all means we'll open the gates and we'll invite them onto the pitch but just give us a few minutes to, to get everything set up and uh, in a safe manner.
3: What about the ticketing arrangements for tonight? Is that all done and dusted? Can people arrive off and pay in this evening?
8: yeah the only the only problem is we only have a few stand tickets remaining Jerry, and, and uh, when they're sold, they're sold and then, then it'll be uh, into the ground only
3: ok so that's very important to remember tonight when you go there because it's going to be busy 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 yeah. this is just uh, an incredible run the club are on you know four in five years it could easily have been five in a row to be honest with you And you consider the other one as well and back in the cup final again against your nemesis uh, Cork City in a couple of weeks time I'm sure they'll celebrate this for a few days the players and the staff, yes?
8: Well, I think it's very important, Jerry, that any success is celebrated and I think Stephen Kenny and the players would understand that. But, you know, we've been celebrating already when we actually mathematically won it. Now is the time for the presentation of the silverware. And we will, we will uh, celebrate it in a good manner. But we've got, a, we've got a bit of business to do on the 4th of November and, and that's another trophy we want back. Don't forget, we've lost the last two finals so we'd like to take that back uh, over the Hill Street Bridge again and, and, and into Dundalk.
3: A double would be just the icing on the cake, wouldn't it, for this year and this group of players?
8: Ah, oh, yeah, well, listen, Jerry. as you know, and you've followed League of Ireland football for a long time as well, this is a very special group of players, very special management, and also we've very special supporters, and every success that we get, I believe it's warranted because of the work that these very professional boys put in. place, you know.
3: Yes. And, and you know, this this era, looking at, you know, the, the, the landscape of the league as well, there's yourselves and Cork, you know, it's going to take a mighty effort by somebody else to join that party and even probably in a way Dundalk have edged in front of Cork now at this stage.
8: Jerry, I'm not going to fall into that trap. There's, there's 10 teams in the league every year. They all start on an equal basis and, you know, it's whoever finishes uh, on top at the end of 33, 34, 35 games, whatever it is in that given year. We've been very fortunate that in four of the last five years, it's been us. I have no doubt that somebody will appear from the pack next year, be it Chamroix, be it from Waterford, be it someone else uh, to challenge all the teams in there. And it's always great when you finish up on top of the pile.
3: Well, Martin, congratulations again to everybody at the club. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. Just before you go, there's, uh, the biggest question of all is this tonight. Will you be singing Nessun Dorma?
8: Um, I won't, Jerry, but we have, uh, we have our, ten- we, we, we've we sort of got into a habit that before every game this year, we, we play Ness and Dorma by a Dundalk uh, tenor called David Martin. And we have a very special appearance tonight who's going to sing it live um, before the game. And um, I believe it's the last time we be play because he'll find something else for for next year. But
3: David is going to sing it live before the game, before the team comes out tonight. My God, you're a real politician. You kicked to touch on that one for sure. So you're—I you're, I didn't
8: say—I didn't say I might be singing it later, um, <laughs> somewhere. But I won't be singing it before the game.
3: So David Martin has stole your thunder for the official gig tonight. But Martin ah. Connolly available in the early hours of tomorrow morning.
8: Yeah, well, you know, you know, I'll, I'll step aside and let
3: David take this one. <laughs> Martin, you're a good one. Thanks so much. Good luck to everybody you, tonight. Enjoy, there. enjoy, enjoy. enjoy. Martin Connolly there, General Manager of Dundalk Football Club. And what an achievement that is. And that's going to be a great night on the Carrick Road this very evening. Myself and Louise were talking bracks a minute ago and buns. And it's unleashed a storm <laughs> from listeners. Catherine Campbell is wondering where she can get the recipe for that tea brack. Listen, we'll touch base with Anna that one for you and get back to you another person onto us on WhatsApp I worked in the home bakery and I've never heard of that bun they've never heard Louise of a ham and egg bun there you th- are
11: I think you're dreaming
3: no I'm not dreaming I'm not dreaming I'm not dreaming because I'll tell you why Mary McAvoy's been on to say Jerry, the ham and egg bun isn't pink and white it's pink and yellow I'm a little bit colour blind. Then you treatment. <laughs> you could be right there. It's a it's a shade of yellow. Yeah, I'll give you that one there, Mary. Margaret from RD uh, was onto us WhatsApp to say, if you got the ring and the barmbrack, Louise, you were wondering, you'd be married within the year.
1: Oh so that's if you're single
3: that. and you got the got the ring and of an age as well, of course. Of an age, yes. Thank you very much. Another caller was on to say, Don't forget about the Chester cake bun. Did you ever take taste a Chester cake, Louise? Never.
11: I've I've heard Never. of Chester. Yeah, it's cake. it's
3: dark. It's real dark the Chester with pastry on upper and lower side. I have tasted it as well. I remember it from the past. Somebody else about the ham and eggs. Uh, oh yeah they sent us in loads of information uh, about the brack and the trinkets we have more information coming on that we have to come back to that next week with Halloween on the horizon as well and so on and so on they go thank you to everybody who was in touch with us uh, about the bracks and the buns we'll pick up on that again next week anyway that's almost it on Late Lunch for another week big thanks to Sinead Brazel and Louise Walsh who put this show together with me every day thank you so much ladies to our guests to our regulars but Especially to you, our listeners who join us every day. Thanks an awful lot for tuning in. Stay with us because coming up next on LMFM this afternoon. ...is the drive. And don't forget, sports-wise this weekend, I'll mention it again to you, tonight, Dundalk Crown Champions, Drogheda United clinging on in the promotion chase. They're at Finn Harps tonight. The game is live on LMFM.ie. Good luck to the Drogs and that one there. Winners to play Limerick. And the weekend, of course, the minor and senior football championship finals in Loud. Good luck, good luck to all concerned there. And don't forget... Be with us here for Saturday Sport on LMFM and Sunday Sport. Massive occasion for the Newtown Blues and the Jocks at Monister Boys. The Nate Martin as well, contesting their first senior final. Anyway, have a great weekend yourselves. Enjoy the sport or whatever else you're doing. And do come back to us and join us for a brand new week of late lunch from Monday at half one.
0: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie.
7: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.